Bill is a failed skydiver and a bear sometimes he runs. Ben's always traveling, an occasional beach bum. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP Town Hall. Ben created Eye on Off, he's a comic book fanatic. Phil made Pyro CMS, he's probably in a kayak. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP. Hey, welcome to episode 32 of the PHP Town Hall. You have myself, Ben Edmonds, along with Phil Sturgeon. Hello. And no guest tonight, so it's all us all the time. I hope yeah. you enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, we tried getting the guests on uh, about four times, and um, it, hasn't, it hasn't worked out. Partly my fault, partly their fault, taking it in turns to mess it up. But uh, we're just going to do a little, a little Ben and Phil episode, just to... Uh, just to chat about stuff that's going on in the PHP world. That's what we do. The best episode ever. Yeah. <laughs> no pesky guests to get in the way of us talking. <laughs> in, the way, in the way of me talking. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I just like the look of myself on the camera. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty face. Mm-hmm. Um, so what the hell are we talking about tonight, Ben? What's going on? All right, so I typed a bunch of stuff in chat, but then I lost it all. <laughs> well, so, actually, an interesting start might be, um, you were just saying uh, off-camera, that um, off air, whatever, a minute ago, that uh, you, you're kind of more management now and you're not writing any, uh, not writing as much code. Tell me about what's going on with your work situation. Yeah, so it's a weird transition. I took over a CTO spot for my company a couple months ago, I guess. And I, I still have this pipe dream in my head that eventually, once I get everything under control, I'll be able to code again. <laughs> Which, I mean, I do code now, maybe half the time, a little less. Day. But, um... Yeah, it's, it's been a weird, you know, handing client calls, talking to people all day, more like helping other people get shit done. So it's it's cool. It's fun. I hate it some days. I like it some days. It's just uh, just different. Yeah. yeah, man. Well, when I was CTOing for uh, for Capture, uh, the company that no longer exists, um, I actually kind of enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed, like, after you've been coding for 10 years doing the same stuff, there's only so many different times you can write a form that accepts input and then like write an API which is the same as a form just without the HTML all, all that stuff and like yeah. you, you even get to do more interesting things like you know systems architecting where you're building out all these remote service based uh, architectures and, and use you know AWS and load balancing and all this other shit you, you can always do learn other things but uh, eventually you kind of have done it all and it's really boring and I, I got to the point where I really I actually preferred saying, this code needs to be written in, in this general sort of way. You go make that, and I'll check in with you in a couple of days. And then you, you give, like, five different people challenges and, and things that they need to write, and then they write it, and you click merge. And you get the same the same feeling as if you did it, but they've just done it for you, and you don't have to write all that code. Yeah, a really cool thing, too, like, I didn't expect. But people come to me when they can't figure something out, usually. And so I get all the hard problems without any of the boring stuff, usually. Right. <laughs> So yeah. I figure out how to get past the problem, and then I send them off to go implement it completely. So that part is fun. It's, it's, it's like the highlights with clients that gets old. It's like the highlights. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the goals, none of them running about the field. Um, exactly. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm actually coming back the other way now. So um, this this new job I'm starting is uh, is technically a lower role. It's kind of like a demotion, but I get more money, and that's the main thing. And um, all that matters in life, <laughs> of course, <laughs> especially with an apartment that I can't get rid of. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm going from um, CTO of a small uh, company that only had like nine of us to um, like a senior software engineer, which is it's kind of like two two roles down because I'm not really lead of anything at the minute. I mean, I, I assume at some point I'll be, you know, because we have loads of APIs and services and different things like that. We'll, we'll have like teams assigned to each one, so I'll probably be leading a small team on one specific service eventually. But uh, it is a bit of a step back, and I don't know. I'm, it, I think it's just always nice to to change it up a little bit. You know, have like some time where yeah. you're doing mostly management, some time when you're writing code. It's Whichever way you do it, you kind of get bored of the one and want the other. So I'm I'm happy to go back to actively actually building shit now. Um, yeah, that's cool. So um, actually, what's the company? Um, I know it's Ride, but I don't really know anything about them. Right. So there's a company called V Ride and um, a company called Ride. So V Ride is a 20 year old um, B2B carpooling service system, kind of. Where basically they go to a big company and say. Um, we can help you implement carpooling for your company, and we can help you like pair and match up all the people that should share cars. They, um, I think they actually supply cars in some instances. If, if there's one person that could drive but they don't have a car, um, and then everyone kind of chips in, and, and they, they just kind of manage that stuff for them. Um, trouble is, as it's 20 years old, the entire system is like fax machines and phone calls and memos, uh, which oh, is... Wow. Yeah, that's nice and fun. So, um, so V-Ride is that, that older, larger parent company. And then uh, Ride is a small startup they've kind of built on the side of that. So it's technically a startup. That might just be uh, misusing the word. And I do hate to misuse the word. But it's it's a small company that essentially has that startup culture. Um, and the, the only funder and investor is the parent company. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. Um, the CTO is um, uh, Oscar Salazar from Uber. Um, so that's going to be quite impressive, and cool. we've got a really—it's got like quite an all-star team. We have um, a core contributor to EmberJS, a core contributor to to Rails, um, and a few other kind of high-level folks, and uh, and me, which is fun. And uh, yeah, we're just building—we're replacing that old shitty telephone fax memo system with um, with a really cool iPhone and Android app. So. So what's the what's like the new stack? Um, they did have, like, it was all one massive Rails app, and that mm. was terrible. Um, so now what they're doing is, there's going to be a Rails API in the middle, which I will be um, one of two developers working on. Um, we've got a few other few other services. I, I don't know why they're hosting it. I know that staging's on Heroku, and then Light uh, Production is on, like, Host Dynamic or something, which sounds a bit scary. I'll be looking at trying to make them both the same as soon as possible. But Go Daddy. It's probably not Go Daddy. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well, um, so it's it's not like AWS or anything. It's just kind of Heroku and then something fairly similar. And uh, yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of Ruby initially, I think. But they're kind of we have to get this launched by like middle of November version one. There's already people that have started on it, and it's like I don't know a third done or something. But I think it's gonna be a case of just smash it out and get it done, and then go back and and rewrite some stuff in Go to make it faster or whatever the hell we end up doing. So talk, I'll tell you a funny little story about uh, rewriting things in Go. Um, I was chatting to, to uh, Zach Kitzmiller, regular guest, who we need to get back on. I don't know why we haven't had him on. Um, but at SeatGeek, their company, they were they have loads of services. So they have like um, 
uh, 25 of these random different HTTP services. They have one which is just uh, for tiles where um, if you need to, when you're buying tickets for a stadium or for a concert, they'll show you where each specific ticket is on the map and they have these like uh, graphics of all the seats and the rows and everything else. And the system that, uh, that, that layers the tiles on top of the, on, on the page, and that gets all the right tiles and puts things in place, that's a HTTP service that you just call the URL and it responds. Um, so I've got a really itchy nose. I'm just going to have to scratch this because it's doing my head. In. <laughs> there we go. Um, so they have they have that system, and it was all built with like Symphony One or something, which is terrible. Uh, but their, their application, their service took seven seconds to respond. Um, they went through and removed all of the anonymous uh, functions and closures and things like that, and changed it to use um, just like actual hard coded functions. And that took it from seven seconds to five seconds, which is crazy. I don't know how that optimization really worked. Um, but then after that, they were like, this still isn't fast enough. Five seconds is still far too slow for what's happening. Um, so they messed around and rewrote it in Go, and it took 400 milliseconds to do the exact Holy same thing. Holy shit. <laughs> Which is crazy. Now, you can, definitely argue wow. that the, you can definitely argue that the Symphony version was built badly, or maybe it was Symphony or something else, but it, it would be quite hard for me to imagine uh, doing something like that and being that fast in, uh, in, in, in PHP. Um, depends on how you, how you approach it, but... I thought that was really hilarious, and and the the funny punchline to that as well is that um, there the, the service actually responds so quickly that it messes up the promises in the front end JavaScript. So they actually oh, nice. they actually had to put sleep one second at the end of the response just to slow it down long enough for JavaScript no. to know what's going on. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of the beauty. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, and that's the beauty. So the use go is is compiled, right? And it's it's more distributed. Yeah, that's the kind of this thing, right? Yeah, yeah, you compile it, and it's got a HTTP server built in, so kind of like the PHP dev yeah. server, but a little bit more advanced. Um, so you you compile it, and then it's got a server built in. You don't need to patch your nginx, and that'll knock off like twenty percent just there, right there. So um, yeah, it's it's that, that's one of the beauties of doing service oriented architectures. So when you have instead of building everything with you know Laravel or Symfony or Rails, instead of building everything into one app, you're gonna have all these separate little parts here and there that are spread out. And then if one of them is kind of slow, you can just completely replace that one. And if you're using HTTP as an interface, then you can still output the same JSON and still accept the same query parameters, but you can rewrite it in fucking Spring or Erlang or whatever the hell happens to be quicker for the thing you're doing. So um, that's a lot of what we're going to be doing at Write. But for now, it literally is just most of them are Rails and, and uh, Ember.js guys. So it's going to be all Rails and Ember.js, and then we'll eventually at some point we'll research how to make other bits quicker. So... I get to mess around with Erlang or whatever. No, so the other fun thing about the job is that we're starting it in Colombia. So in three days, I'm getting on a plane and going to Colombia. <laughs> it's going to be... I, I imagine that I'm going to be... Sorry, man. That's all right. I imagine that I'm going to be very efficient because with all that cocaine and coffee, you know, it's going to be great. Uh, does cocaine get absorbed, you know, when you stick it everywhere else versus when you put it in your nose? I think you pretty much put that anywhere in your body and it'll do the job. All right. Yeah, so you should have a good time. <laughs> Um, do not do not condone do not condone drugs do not condone drinking either always drink responsibly uh, yeah drinking and cocaine are both horribly amazing and bad <laughs> wow so that's something we didn't need to do um, it's a good thing it's a good thing we don't have any sponsors on this show because they'd be like yeah you're promoting uh, drug use <laughs> therefore we cut your funding we could totally get some beer company to sponsor us I think well I should probably try and get Angry Orchard to sponsor that would be yeah uh, Angry, that would be critical for, for Angry Orchard. <laughs> Angry Orchard. Some of their ciders aren't completely shit. How was that for an Blue Moon. 
It's the best beer at 7-Eleven. <laughs> Blue Moon, because I guess. <laughs> uh, great. So, yeah, that's a new job. Not going to be doing that much PHP, um, which I'm kind of fine with. I like to, you know, do random stuff. And the last job was a lot of Python anyway. But uh, um, I am actually wondering where, where my PHP development is going to be now, because uh, uh, I always had I always had Pyro CMS that I needed to develop PHP for. Um, and that was a lot of the reason why I was involved with things like uh, the Fig and um, and PHP, uh, the PHP League, all of these projects trying to like help and improve the PHP scene, ecosystem, community in general. Because if I was part of it, I wanted to make it better. Um, but now that I've solved Pyro CMS and uh, and my main job isn't going to be using it, I'm kind of wondering where I'm going to be doing my PHP development, if at all. So that's an interesting. So uh, this year, kind of, you know. I'm going to Rails now. Speech. Is that what's happening? <laughs> um, I'm. I'm not going to be moving to Rails happily. I will be trying to convince them to use anything else. But having a core Rails developer on the team probably means that we're going to lose that battle. Um, <laughs> that it, probably means you're going to be the shitty dev on the team. <laughs> that's exactly what I know is going to happen. I'm going to go on there, and he's. This guy's going to be like, "Who is this fucking idiot that they brought in? He doesn't know anything. He doesn't know about how uh, you know act, anything to do with Rails." Um, I have used, I used Rails three quite a lot uh, about four years ago, but apart from that, <laughs> uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I've used it off and on, but it's such like it's such a beast. If you're not in there every day, there's so so many little like little little caveats you don't know about. It's it's kind of crazy. Yeah, well, it might be a silly and, and potentially overused example by me, but um, it might also be completely outdated. But when you use that ORM, you can't manually set the created app date. The creator that date is just right now, and you can't change that. And I was like, what the fuck? Why can't I say, you know, if I'm importing tweets or something, or like previous events, I want to say this was done then, um, and, and set the creator that date. And people just said, no, you just make a new date field, and you call, like, posted app. I'm like, ugh, so annoying. And, and that's, that's fine. If you know that rule, then you can, you don't, you know, you build your code, and it's fine. If you don't know that rule, you can spend an entire afternoon coding everything around created app, and then once you run the import, you find out it doesn't fucking work. It's <laughs> and there's there's just hundreds of those things that I suppose I'll have to get used to get used to. And if I'm sat next to a core contributor, then I'll be like, "Hey, guy, tell me the answer to this question, and it'll be fine." But, um, that poor guy's not going to get anything done ever again. Right. Like the only way that we're going to hit our November deadline is if we fire Phil, or at least send him on holiday. <laughs> can we just? Buy some duct tape for his mouth, and then we'll <laughs> yeah, man. Huh. But um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited being part of you know projects like the Fig and stuff. And uh, I don't really plan on quitting. But if I don't end up doing any PHP work for a while, then it might be a bit weird trying to stay involved. You know? Well, I'd be surprised if you don't pick up some open source work. I mean, that's kind of uh, you get bored and you do open source. It's kind of what you do, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they'll still be kind of consulting and probably personal projects, but um, things like Fractal, like, that's the last piece of code I've released, and I've only released probably one package this year. Um, when I was still doing Coding Maxer, I was releasing one pa- uh, one one library every bloody week, but um, I only, I've only released Fractal, and that's it, because I used, I used PHP at the last job, and Fractal was something I needed for my job, so I made it. Um, and if we're not using any PHP... Then I'll still be doing open source, but I don't know if it'll be PHP. I suppose. I mean, I wasn't really planning on coming on this podcast and being like, "I quit," but because um, <laughs> I'm not. But uh, I don't know what I will be doing with PHP um, right now. I'll probably, 
yeah, maybe fuck around in the in the evenings doing some personal project. But even then, I'd rather mess around with um, if, I, if I'm doing a mess around project, it'd be like let's do it in Go or Python or something, just because it's a bit different. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of get you there. I haven't really done any open source PHP work that's you know anything to speak of since Coding Matter days. It's kind of in Coding Matter, there's so much that needed to be done. There was so much out there that you needed, right? But nowadays, it yeah. seems like anything I could think of that I might need, someone's already built, and they put more work into it than I ever would. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, there's less opportunity there, really. Yeah, I mean, I, there's still a lot of opportunity to make good quality packages, because although we've had two years of people building really good, um, like, tested, uh, standards-based, good quality packages, there's still not quite enough. And you come across certain things, like we were discussing last time, about how there's just no good Twitter client. They're all awful. Um, and other kind of random things that it does... I mean, there's a lot of room left. I think there's a lot of room for people to build good quality asynchronous-based packages instead of um, instead of the whole the whole PHP way all the, all the components are. Read the entire file. Process the one gig. Output the entire file. Like... I have to make 10 requests, or well, you better wait for each one, uh, or batch them and do nothing with the response. Like, There's so much room for asynchronous stuff to be done in PHP that that, I think, is where you can you can build stuff that's new and interesting, but um, at the same time... Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Personally, it's been hard to get excited about async in PHP, mm-hmm. just because I also do a lot of Node, so it's kind of um, best tool for the job, but I get why it's better for some people and companies, because if you already have a bunch of PHP... You already have PHP developers. Why not stay with that? Yeah. But um, I don't know. Personally, it's been hard to get too excited about that because I feel like all my async needs are pretty much met with Node. Yeah. I mean, the only downside there is that you are using Node. That is a big downside. <laughs> um, I, that, why aren't they version 1 yet? God damn it. Just tag it as version 1. Like I keep hearing people say that the Node team are essentially saying that they haven't they, they aren't planning on doing anything much more with it. Like, they've got their platform. They're happy with that platform. They're not going to rewrite it tomorrow. It's not going to be anything else. So just call it version one. Just release it. It's, it's going to be like Gmail, where it's like 10 years later. <laughs> no one cares anymore, and yeah. it's out of beta. Yeah, it's just... It, I don't I don't know that it matters, per se, but uh, it is still... It, it just kind of frustrates me. It's been out for years, and it's just like... Just, just tag it. Just get it done. Like, every big company in the fucking world uses it, and it's still not 1.0. Right. <laughs> we could even, as long as they don't do something like Chef or Salt, where they're just like, 0. 0.1, 0.2, 0.10, 0.11, 12. <laughs> Maybe their first version is going to be like 10. They're just, forget right. all the other shit. That's what, that's what Chef did, and a bunch of other companies have done that. Like, no one will take us seriously if we're only version 1, because they're on version 5. We've got to be version 7. I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. Um, but yeah, whatever. I have previously maybe complained about version numbers too much in the past, and the uh, <laughs> don't need to do that again. Um, yeah. Anyway. So, um, really, speaking of your your job, you yeah. had a lot of like weird travel, and you're going to be a drug mule for a while, as we kind of alluded to. Yeah. So, what what all trips do you have coming up? I know you're in like Colombia and then Argentina yeah. or something. Things are getting real weird over the next month and a half. Um, I. <laughs> So with the new job, there's a lot of people from all over the world. There's a lot of people from um, um, from South America and, uh, and Central America, and uh, I think the plan is to get everyone into the same place at some point. But we're having like a, um, uh, an immersion uh, trip where basically we're all going to get everyone it sounds together. Sounds very BSy. 
Uh, I mean, the word immersion. immersion. The word immersion might be, um, but basically, we're all going to go hang out in. Uh, in we'll start off in Colombia, so I'm flying there on the sixth in a couple of days, which will probably be last month if you're listening to this on on iTunes. Um, yeah, so we're going to Colombia, and then we're there, and we're in. I don't know how to say any of the names of these places, so I'm going to sound like a fucking idiot. We're going to Bogota, um, and then there's another place called um, Mayalin. Uh, so two different cities in Colombia. Then you're you're English, so you don't ne- you never say any words properly. It's all right. <laughs> Aluminum. Um, yeah, so we're, we're doing that. Then I need to go and pick up my visa somewhere because we're sent off for my new visa, my new O1, and uh, and I might have to go to Canada to pick that up because I have to go somewhere where they have a U.S. embassy. I'm not allowed into America. So there was talk about me maybe going to Canada because it's just closer than England. Um, so are you are you speaking at True North? Or are you? No, no. Oh. Um, I, I, I I couldn't I couldn't cope with any more conferences in, in yeah. during this oh, weird period. I was thinking that'd be a good timing though, because that's in five weeks yeah. or something. Right? That would have been handy. But no, so um, the rest of October I'll be I'll be in Colombia pretty much um, or Canada. Then I come back and I'll have like a week in my apartment, um, and and then I have to go to PHP Argentina uh, for about ten days. And for two of those days, I'm getting on a ferry and sneaking over to uh, Uruguay. To do some some consulting for somebody else, nice. so it's a really really weird trip, and everyone's like, "Oh, that sounds like a bit of a brag." I'm like, "Well, it's gonna be cool, but at the same time, ah! <laughs> I've been like moving about a lot since April, and uh, I just I'm looking forward to a bit of stability, so that I can like get back into cycling and get some other stuff done and write some fucking articles for my blog because I haven't done anything. I but and and maybe be able to go on more than two dates with somebody before I end up kicked out of the fucking country. That would be a nice start. Um, well, you are like working the whole time too, so it's not like just a fun vacation either. You know? That's it as well. Yeah, when I tell people like, "Oh, I got I got flown to Spain for for, for two days," everyone's like, "Ooh!" And I'm like, yeah, and I saw the inside of the taxi, the inside of the hotel, and the inside of the fucking taxi again. <laughs> That's how I am with like conferences are sort of okay, right? Because I'll ditch out early if I'm not speaking late or whatever. But like work trips, everybody's like, oh, you go to so many cool places. And I'm like, yeah. I go and I talk to clients for three days and then I fly back on a red eye. Like, it's not exactly <laughs> exciting. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I know a lot of people that kind of complain about the, the traveling lifestyle and I guess I am kind of doing that a little bit but only because the whole visa, job, housing situation has been so nuts. Um, I have met a few conf- conference speakers that do this as a job that are like, um, de- developer advocates and, and you often hear them just complaining about it all the time at conferences I'm like well you've got two choices there you could either maybe re- you know switch your thinking and, and be a bit more positive and enjoy it or change your job like if you don't like it then just don't do it but um, this this travel is stuff that I don't really have a choice about and it's it's not entertainment it is it is work and stuff but uh, I don't want to be too I think it, it has this good side and it's bad you know I, I talk to some of the developer advocates and I'm, I'm kind of jealous like they travel all the time, and usually they work out a day or two after each conference to just kind of hang out in the cities if they're smart. Right? So it's cool, but I also see how like 50% time away from your family would be pretty rough at times, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's like being a comedian on the road, you know? If you don't, if you don't like going on the road, then maybe you know you just settle into a local comedy store, a local comedy um, venue, and you make less money. But that's you know yeah. that's the choice you make. So. Um, I, I don't want to be one of these like takes everything for granted person. I am, in many ways, very lucky with my career. But um, yeah, it's it's still a pain in the tits right now that I have to go and deal with this stuff. <laughs> By the way, thank you to whoever just bought our bundle on Lean Pub. 
If you want to know how to build a secure web application in a kick-ass API, check out Phil Sturgeon and Ben Edmonds. Where did, where did that come from? <laughs> I just got an email that we got a, a purchase on our bundle. And oh, nice. Because of nice. this podcast. I didn't. I didn't hear the first part. The sound kind of cra- crapped out, and I just, it sounded like you just randomly doing an uh, advertisement. <laughs> by the way, I mean, by the way, I've got a good opportunity. opportunity. <laughs> wow. Um, huh. So what? Have, what have we got on the list here? Uh, uh, all right. So let's talk about some PHP stuff. Like, let's stop talking about us for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're pretty important. We'll get back to us, right? <laughs> all right. PSR seven. Let's go for that shit. Right, so PSR7 is the idea of um, uh, standardizing, making a standardized interface for uh, HTTP messages. So that's a message is a request or a response. And we had um, uh, Boo Simon, Simmons on the show. I can never get anyone's surname right. That's an ongoing theme. I think you got both his names wrong. It's Bo Simmons, I believe. Bo, Bo Simmons, all right. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> And um, and Michael Dowling, um, they were both on on the show a few episodes, uh, quite a few episodes ago, talking about it. But um, since then, there's been a slight change of, of structure. Uh, Michael Dowling has dropped out, basically saying he doesn't believe that HTTP, uh, sorry, that interfaces are the correct way to go about doing it, and that trying to define a HTTP message client, um, sorry, trying to define a HTTP message. Uh, is 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 just not really realistic or something. I can't remember what the complaints were, but um, he's out of there. And instead, we have um, Mwop, um, who is well known from uh, Zend. Um, yeah, that was actually pretty huge because anybody that knows uh, it's Matthew Wirefini or something like that. I don't, I'm gonna fuck that name up myself. But he's kind of the legend in the PHP community. He's pretty much led all the Zen framework efforts for years now. It's pretty pretty cool to see him involved in the fig. Yeah, and he used to be involved in the fig as well. He quit a while ago. His main reason was that he just hadn't got the time for it. And I can completely understand that. Like I actually spent um I spent a month um it was a month ago tracking time tracking how much time I spent doing fig stuff and I realized that I you know if I'd have built that then I could have afforded rent. Um but uh, yeah, he, he kind of he quit because he he couldn't lead and he couldn't represent Zend and he gave that to somebody else. Um, but he's now come back as a uh, as the author as the editor for the PSR. So he doesn't have to be an official member or anything like that. He's just he's just helping write it and I'm still coordinating it. So he's come back and we're making some changes. We're improving it and um, and we're trying we're going to try and get the HTTP message thing done. But he's coming at it from quite an interesting angle, which is. Um, He's been doing a lot of Node.js, and he has noticed that well, they don't need standards in the in the Node community um, because it's it's so much smaller. You just have like you have um, Express and Happy, and they're two kind of HTTP layers that you can interact with in in a similar way to uh, to Rack for Ruby. And he's noticed that they have those systems, and you can like you could they have a, an interface for HTTP messages, uh, requests, and responses. So you can just build your application that talks, you know, that builds up a you can, you can build an application that inspects the incoming request, and then you can build up the outgoing response. And you can kind of switch around between different systems, which which you're actually using, but the message stays the same. And um, he's trying to do some of that for for, uh, for PHP. So it's, it's, it's going to be pretty much the same interface, um, and the same idea, but he's just got that that new approach. Because the last approach was being was being written by a guy who made a HTTP client. So his entire approach was 
I have a HTTP client and I want to standardize this. And now we've got kind of the server side. So there's a bit of a battle going between the two approaches. But have you been... So is there going to be... Um, so before kind of the idea was to have some sort of compatibility with Guzzle built in, right? Is that still a focus or is Guzzle expected to play catch up? It's... <laughs> so one of the problems is that Michael has already said that Guzzle won't use any standard that comes out of this. So that was a bit of a pain. But... Um, Really, that's a huge pain. Shit. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know why. I didn't really understand that. But the idea is that you are just building up a request, and um, and then a client would like send off that request. So theoretically, it would be an internal thing, and you can like build up that request internally, or you could expose some of it in the client. I don't know if it's going to change anything. It, it, it definitely could change because I mean, uh, Michael on the show said that five would never exist. Guzzle 5 would never exist, and now Guzzle 5 has been announced, so it, it could change in the future. Guzzle 6 could be, you know, um, PSR compliant, but um, I, I'd be I'm much happier to ignore um, ignore the implementations for now and just try and build the standard because re realistically, it doesn't. It's not about clients. It's not about servers. It's about just building up that generic thing, right? I use the example of like if you imagine two people. We're playing catch. One of them's a client, and one of them's a server. And then the ball gets thrown around. It doesn't care which it's talking to. It's just getting. It's just a ball being thrown around. And that message is the ball, and it never changes depending on which way it's going. It's just, you know, here's a header, here's a status, here's a body, here's a whatever else. So we're trying to avoid adding um, support for cookies and support for reading JSON files and support for all this other stuff. Um, and we're just trying to make it a really generic HTTP message that can be passed around, so a client can use it, a server can use it. It should be okay. All right. That's cool. Well, I like the focus on generic because it seems like you can pretty quickly get into something too detailed to be used. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Especially if you look at cookies, they're really they're quite shit. And you look at reading files. Um, I mean, a file coming in could be um, the entire request could be a file. It could be like here's a JPEG that I'm uploading with a mine site. Um, it could also, uh, you know, when you have like the multi multi type headers, you split them out and you have all this like really specific stuff because the HTTP specification is fucking huge, um, and if you start trying to build a PHP method that handles each each single part of the of the entire HTTP specification, then you're going to be there for a very long time. I mean, you'd have to start supporting things like um, caching and proxy authentication and um, everything else. Whereas this is literally so you've got the status, you've got the scheme, which is HTTP or HTTPS. Uh, um, the the status code, the host, the URL, the headers, and the body, and that's it. And then what anyone chooses to do with that information, if they want to read it as JSON or um, pass the application form data out of there, and, and you know take the chunks of post data out, you can do all of that stuff. But you'll do it by interfacing with the HTTP methods. So. Um, this doesn't. It might not sound wildly exciting, any of that stuff. But if you imagine working with um, working with Laravel as an example, if you've got this uh, this method where you're setting some headers and, and, and imagine you have a controller with uh, a bunch of different methods, and each one of them is setting a few headers and returning bodies and, and everything else. Um, if instead of inter interface interacting with um, Laravel specific requests and response data, you interface with PSR seven, then you could take that entire controller and then just dump it into another framework if you change frameworks and only have to change some of it. All of that HTTP request response stuff would still work in the exact same way. Um, 
Yeah, so where this mostly the fixed stuff in general, but this kind of stuff is most exciting to me is that like we had several kind of SLA architecture, different services, different systems set up differently, right? So if we need to move from one to the other, they might be completely different frameworks, or one might be a framework, one might not be a framework at all. It's really awesome to be able to just copy and paste code between them or share a class between them in a sub-module or something like that. So it, it really helps the just the porting and interoperability there. Yeah, man. Um, actually, an interesting conversation that me and Michael had um, was kind of one of those, one of those. it wasn't really an argument, it was a conversation where I completely understood every, every point he was making and kind of always agree with him but couldn't. And, um, and it was, it's weird that, it's weird that the fig exists. Um, and if you look at other languages, they don't have, they don't have uh, standards for how all of us can write our HTTP clients or how all of us can write our loggers um, because they just have one logger that's really good or they have a logger built in like, uh, like Python does. And um, it's a really valid point. It's weird that we're doing this. Um, but the point that I made in, in response was that um, in most of those communities, you do just have one good package. It's because most of uh, Python and Ruby, they are much smaller communities. Um, the ones that do use it are much more vocal and much more cool and hip, so you kind of hear about it a lot. But PHP is fucking huge. And we have a lot of really bad code out there. Um, part of it being huge is that a, a large number of people out there are pretty terrible. Um, but we have this massive community with loads of people making all this stuff and you have like 10 options for logging and 10 options for ORMs and there's all these hundreds of different things. Um, dependency in, uh, dependency injection containers, I can't talk today. Um, all, of these, all of these containers, uh, there's like 25 of those as well. So there's somebody else trying to make a, a standard for working with um, dependency containers. So um, in a perfect world, PHP wouldn't need any of these standards. We'd just go, oh, that's a good package. We should all work with that package. That's a good requests library. We'd all use requests. Um, but because there are four or five valid options for anything and then like 20 shit ones, you just, we, can't, we can't do it. We can't leave it that way. We have to build these interfaces that allow us to kind of work with potentially multiple things just because otherwise you're just, you've got like 10 different HTTP clients in your code and it's just ridiculous. Yeah, and a lot of the other languages too don't don't really mind breaking backwards compatibility. But that's always been a really huge thing for PHP. Mm. So Python and Ruby, you know, they they pretty much tell you to fuck off between version numbers, right? But PHP really cares about we have twenty year old code out there and we want it to still work when we can. And that's a it's a big thing. I mean it's a lot of the reason why huge stable companies use it still. Yeah, that's true, and that's that's something that a lot of people forget about when they when they talk about um, they talk about kind of these PSR interfaces, and they say, "Well, it's not like I just randomly change my logger every five minutes," <laughs> um, and that's it's not really what we're talking about. I mean, you might someday, you might not right now, but you might. Um, but a lot of it is if you if you build your code around, um, let's just say that Guzzle was was compliant with PSR, you've got your HTTP client, and you've built it specifically to rely on curl. Uh, on, on Guzzle, sorry. Um, and then you, you build it around version 3, and then they release version 4. It's got a whole different name. All the classes are moved around, and then the methods are different, right? So even even using the same HTTP client, you have to actually recode a large amount of your app just to work with, with Guzzle, um, the, the latest version of the same package. So if, you, if, you, if you're PSR compliant, um, so whatever standard logging, whatever, um, and then you make a new version of your application and you're still PSR compliant, your code's still going to work. 
So it, it's it's not just about like randomly changing system, ch- changing your components out like you change your underwear. It's more about like you know for a fact that shit's always going to work even when you know versions change, and that's that's pretty powerful, especially. Yeah. Uh, sure. All right. So what's next on our list here? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. What do we got here? Uh, I lost the list completely, so I'm hoping you still have the list. I've got the list. Um, third PHP. Have you yes. done, have you done anything with this? Have you used uh, RBM or RVMC or? Uh, yeah, so I use um use RBM now. I've used shit. What's the other fucking one? The old one. Um, RBM. No, that's the one I use now. I think. Mm. What's the old one? You don't use RVM. Oh, I thought you were saying the same thing. You fucking Englishman. Every word sounds the same. There's R-B-E-N-V and R-V-M. All right, so I used to use R-V-M. I now use R-B-E-N-V. Okay, yeah, same. Right. Right. So it's pretty fucking similar. It's the same idea, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So for people that don't really understand, uh, sorry, that sounded really patronizing. Um, for people that don't know what we're talking about... Um, for all you fucking dumbasses watching our show. <laughs> for all you losers that don't know Ruby yet, God. Um, so most other languages have this concept of uh, being able to install multiple versions of the language and switch between them and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, PHP, we talked about a, a tool called VIRT, PHP, V-I-R-T for virtual, um, on the show a little while ago. And um, I haven't used it a huge amount at that point. I kind of played around with it. I've been playing around with it more now, and I'm, I'm starting to be a big fan. But um, it is still alpha, and I've had to send a few pull requests, so we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, something I've been kind of thinking about recently is how much I enjoy not having to use Vagrant, which is something that a lot of people get really confused about. Because I spend a little bit of time saying, like, oh, Vagrant's really cool, and when you need it, it's a really great tool. And everyone took the when you need it, part out of that and just said, like, we should use Vagrant all the time for everything. And it's often, like, not the appropriate tool. If you think about a basic HTTP service, you can, you've got Laravel, which has got a built-in server that sits on top of the PHP server, and you can write all your code, and you can use the file cache instead of the Redis cache driver locally, and uh, you can talk to SQLite instead of Postgres locally. Uh, And you can, you can actually... (laughs) You can completely break dev prod parity um, and actually do it surprisingly successfully. Um, so I, I really like using um, something called PHP Brew, which helps you install multiple versions of PHP, and then vert PHP that says this. This uh, you basically set up a, a sandbox. So you pick. So it's like this project is going to be sandboxed to this yeah. version of PHP. Yeah, I, I want to move away from saying this project because it doesn't have the same idea. With RVM, if you CD into a folder, it says, "Oh, that's." It notices a file that says, "Oh, this is you know my app," um, and then it it sets up the sandbox around that. With um, with with vert PHP, you kind of type a command to activate it, and then wherever you go on your system, you're still using that that version. Um, so that's a bit different. And it's a bit confusing, and I'm we kind of trying. Uh, I've been talking to them about changing it, so you have like a requirements file in there. So you you, you know um, you can type one command. It looks for the file that's in your folder, in the folder you're in now, and says, okay, I know which environment I'm meant to be. I know which packet extensions I'm meant to have. Um, yeah, I really prefer that. I uh, I kind of do the same thing Vert does with homemade brew scripts. It's really horrible. 
Yeah. It, and it's pretty frustrating though. Like I'm in one project and hey, I got a call with an error or whatever, and I CD over to that, and then oh shit, I'm in the wrong version of PHP and I have to redo all that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's that's exactly it. Like when when I was using Vagrant a lot more, I was working on projects that, it, to be honest, they didn't need Vagrant. Uh, some of them really did need Vagrant because we had to get it very specific. But um, there were a lot of other projects that didn't really need it, and uh, it, it's just really frustrating when you're in one project, you've got one VM running, and then you have to go and work on another project, and you leave both of them running, and it's slow as fuck. Um, or even if you close it down, and you have like 10 of these projects, and you've got all of these virtual machine files dotted around that take up half your hard drive. And, um, but there's just a lot of stuff and nonsense goes with it, especially if, especially if your vagrant box, um, you accidentally let it provision, and then it down, it like does some chef bollocks, and it. I've had so many random problems with provisioning stuff that I just get really frustrated. So if you're working on like one project a lot, having vagrant and having it all provisioned nicely and everything else, it's really cool. But if you can avoid all of that stuff because you're just making like a basic API or something, then it's it's quite fun to to just skip all that shit and just type like. Um, uh, vert PHP create my app and then Peckle install Mongo if you're using Mongo for some reason. Um, Why you, would you ever use Mongo? I don't know because Jeremy McCullough made me do it. I don't know. There's um, a there's also Dev Null included with most Linux based systems. Yeah, just as reliable. I like that. That's good. We should write a driver so you can store things in Dev Null. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a really cool project and you guys should check it out. Like. I really feel like the, the PHP community, especially the Laravel community, everyone, it went from we have no idea what Vagrant is to we should use Vagrant all the time for everything. And the number of people I talk to that are just trying to get into PHP development and they're having Vagrant forced down their throat, I'm like, no, leave this poor guy alone. Just You want to have a couple of, uh, you know, use PHP Brew so that you can say um, PHP Brew install 5.5 and then 5.6. And then you can like switch between the two and see if your application works. You can run your unit tests on PHP 5.5 and make sure everything works. And then install 5.6.1 that came out today, I think. Um, and then run your unit tests again. And then you can see if your tests work. That's a really powerful thing. Um, and then vert.php sits on top of that. And then you can you know, install this specific version of a Peckle extension that, uh, that you might need to make sure your tests work there. And then you can install a, a later version in a different environment. And, switch between those two and see how things work. And you can do all of that without having to like use Chef to provision a vagrant box that takes 25 minutes to run. And it's um, it's a cool thing, I think. Have you worked with it at all? Yeah, I put around with it. I like it. I, um, like I said, I, I do something very similar with just brew scripts that I've wrote. And it's, uh, I mean, it's really awesome to be able to just switch projects and then change your version and shit like that. Really yeah. nice. Sweet. How long have we been talking? What's going on with our, with our life here? Uh, thirty minutes, forty-five minutes, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Done. We talked for a long time before we hit play, so I'm not sure what's going on now. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. It's very true. Oh, me and Taylor got into another argument. Uh, we actually argued on the way here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I saw I caught a little bit of this on Twitter, right? So yeah. Taylor thinks you should use frameworks all the time for everything. Pretty much. I mean. Uh, so there's there's another uh, podcast called uh, PHP Roundtable, and the guy from that is trying to um, trying to have a discussion about um, when you should use a framework and when, if ever, is it appropriate to just use a couple of composer packages instead. And um, and obviously I'm on the side of like I'm all about 
um, com components with as few dependencies as possible that are interoperable that you can use to achieve goals, right? And uh, Taylor, funnily enough, is is all about you should probably just use Laravel or another framework that does everything. But there aren't any as good as mine, so just use mine. Surprise! Um, right. I, I feel like for, for the last year, like me, me and the Laravel guys have bashed heads a couple of times over the last year. The first one was literally January 1st. And, um, and I feel like every single argument we've had could be boiled down to, hi, I'm Phil. I'm on the framework interoperability team. I put a lot of work into, achieve, you know, into improving standards so the whole community can come together and work on, work on things together by sharing code and sharing resources. Um, and then the Laravel folks like Ian and, and Taylor are, we make Laravel and we think you should always use Laravel and we don't care if you're building components that, that uh, we don't care if you want our components to work outside of Laravel because you should just fucking use Laravel. Uh, yeah, that's, so that's we're it. actually talking to uh, Lee Tingham about this a little bit yeah. uh, a couple days ago. So personally, I really like Laravel. I was one of the first adopters of the Laravel 4 as you were. Right, yeah. I was right behind you using it on uh, one of the first say, projects. Behind. Right? I was first. I was first. You were first. <laughs> right, it's a competition. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm being silly, but um. No, no. Anyway, so uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of it. Right, I use it for most of the side projects I do. Or, you know, if I have a fun idea, I'm gonna knock out on a weekend. Yeah. I'm gonna pick Laravel. Right, it's pretty fast, easy to get going. But when I look at something for like business use, something I want my team to use. I tend to shy away from Marvel because I know that in two years my needs are going to be very different than my needs are today, and I can't anticipate what those needs will be. But I do know that if I pick something that's very proprietary, something that doesn't play well with others, I'll regret that later. So I would rather have a little bit of pain now for, say, everyone to learn Symphony or to roll it from scratch so that later everything kind of plays nice with what's new out there. Everything's, you know, very interruptible to uh, take your your word from your group, right? But uh, it's it's kind of it's worth the pain now for the compatibility later. Whereas if you go all in on a framework, you pretty much have to stay on that framework. And it's not always the case with Laravel, but with a lot of frameworks, once you go in all in on a framework, you have to fucking stay on that same version, or at least on that same major version. Yeah. Because like Symphony going from one to two, you might as well just restart it all over, right? That's oh, absolutely, fun. yeah. That was a big deal. change. Um, yeah, that's a lot of the thing. I mean, the, the argument that the always use a framework teams have is if you're in a large, if, if you're if you're on a team and you're developing stuff, there's um, it's much better to have and there's lots of juniors on your team. It's much better to have something like Laravel where they can like there is only one way of doing specific things and that way is documented in their documentation. So you should um, uh, you want to you you want to do it. If you're using a framework like Laravel, then everyone knows how it's going to work because they can find out very quickly. And if you have juniors, that juniors can, unless I just break stuff because it's, I can't explain this point. Do you know what I'm talking about? So I can totally explain <laughs> this point because this is something that I, I do consider. So let's say I'm trying to onboard new people or have junior devs on the team. It's a lot easier to say, hey, this is this app. I need your help maintaining. These are the docs for the framework. If you read the framework docs, you'll pretty much know how to use the app. Right. Versus saying, hey, this is the app, and here are the five packages that it uses, and here is the documentation. By the way, I have the best wife ever. I was just delivered two beers. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> anyway, all right. So it's a lot easier to say, hey, here's the framework docs. 
it all works together. It all works pretty much in the same way. Go read up on these docs when you have a problem. You know, here's this one place you reference. It all kind of, you know, goes hand in hand. It's a really easy place for someone to just go back and check things, and you get help for it. So, you know, if you have a problem with the app, you can pretty easily find the support forums for that or whatever. Versus if you're using independent packages, it kind of lends itself more towards more senior developers or mid-range because it's a lot harder for your junior to figure out how these five packages are interacting together. There's no real help to figure out how they interface. You can only go back and find help for each individual package. It, yeah. it really does bump up the complexity level, but it also does help with your compatibility and your integration issues later. So it's always kind of the balancing act of, okay, I might have juniors now, but in a year they're probably not going to be juniors anymore if I do my job right. Right. But also you have to think about your churn, you know, because of what we're doing, you know, say you're like a marketing company or an agency, you might churn through developers pretty often. In that case, you know, that's that's just kind of your MO. You know, no one stays at a marketing company very long as a developer usually, right? Yeah. So you might just have to plan for the fact that every two years you're changing developers. In that case, a framework with good docs is probably your best choice. Yeah. That's exactly where I am as well. If I'm working on a project for me, then I'll just use whatever the crap I feel like using that week because who cares? It's my project. Um, if I'm working on a, a client project, and whether it's like a two weeks or three months, like it, it, I'm probably going to end up using a framework, probably probably Laravel for that because um, as long as they're okay with it, because chances of them having... Um, if, if you're offloading your, uh, your code base to somebody else, it's much easier to say, this is a Laravel app. If you need to know how Laravel works, there's all this fucking information. Go and Google it. Go and get on Stack Overflow. You'll be fine. You don't need to come back to me. Um, but if I build some custom thing and it's and it's you know it's a large application and it's got like 25 different packages that I've taped together somehow, um, if I give that to somebody and I haven't spent like a month writing documentation for it, then they're going to have a pretty bad time. So if you're, if you're dumping the code, it can be pretty handy to use the framework as well. Um, but it also depends. I mean, I've, in the past, with somewhere, somewhere, a, a piece of a little bit that me and Taylor agreed on was that if you're building like a trivial app, like a, a little tiny HTTP service that just like reads some shit from the database and then just throws it out to JSON, then that might be a perfect instance of when you just use a couple of packages. And um, I've done that three times before. I've just done like, here's a big Laravel app over here, and then here's this tiny little HTTP service that sits there, um, and that was like. All no TI, a dependency injection container. Um, Nick uh, Nikita's fast root, which is a really cool routing API, and then like the composer also loader, and that was that was it. Um, and it had like PDO enabled and, and that. Um, so that I didn't need to write a month's worth of documentation, so it was like three files. But um, yeah, on the whole, you, on the whole, there's no steadfast rule for yes, you should always use a framework. No, you should never use a framework because they're slow. What does what does slow mean? Um, it really depends on who are the team that that are building it now, how long you're building it for, um, are you concerned about the framework that you use changing itself regularly? A lot of people are currently scared about Laravel 5, even though they probably shouldn't be. Um, and uh, and who's, it, who's the team that's going to be maintaining it? So the team that build it and the team that maintain it aren't always the same people. And these are all the sort of factors you have to weigh up. Um, and obviously performance is, is quite a, is a fairly relevant thing. Um, not that I kind of said a minute ago, like frameworks are slow. I mean, they, they can be depending on what you're doing. Development time is quicker often. Um, performance time can be slower. And when I made that service, 
I originally wrote that service as um, as Laravel, and the response time was like 350 milliseconds, 400 milliseconds somewhere, and it was just it was just calling a raw SQL query from Postgres, dumping it out and on the page and, and making it JSON, and that was like 300 to 400 milliseconds, and I rewrote it with um, with uh, Orno DI, Composer Autoloader, and Nikita's Fast Root, and it was like 50 milliseconds. So that's a really big difference. Um, so sometimes, sometimes not using a, 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 a framework completely makes sense based on developer speed, developer skill, developer whatever the fuck. Um, but it also makes a lot of sense about performance. Um, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Yeah, I think there's also been kind of a there's been a bad stigma around performance with people that haven't been in those shoes. So with if you do kind of your blog or your brochure where or whatever kind of site that's kind of your traditional, you have models, views, and controllers all in one thing, right? Performance of the framework is probably very negligible, depending on anything else you're doing. But if you're doing services, huge. Yeah. If you're writing an API, especially, or just any kind of service that's been to me used, especially if it's like locally we used, we do a lot of that with Node, so like, different things will include this and use it locally on the server, so you don't have to worry about HTTP speeds. And performance is a huge thing to that, because a 300-millisecond API <laughs> versus a 50-millisecond API yeah. is a world of difference. I mean, it's just ridiculous. This is the exact reason that for years I've been saying that um, Hello World benchmarks aren't useless, and I've caught a lot of flack for that from fucking idiots on Reddit, which is why I don't go there anymore, but um, and people on people all over the place have, have said that they're useless and they're stupid and they don't prove anything. A Hello World benchmark is literally you output Hello World to the screen using a framework and you see how long that took. Um, a lot of people say they're useless because they say developer speed is more important than performance speed most of the time or whatever, which isn't... You can't make an absolute comment like that. That's ridiculous to say. Um, or they complain that um, they I mean, say... Maybe if you're a startup with you know 500 million dollars and you have exactly. servers to match, maybe. But there's there's still performance there that you can't right. get back. That's what I say about it's not an absolute, right? It's, it depends on what you're doing. If you're like a tiny startup and you, you have to get this launched immediately before you get any money, then you don't care about performance as much as you care about developer speed. But at the same time, if your app has something that has to be fucking real time and it's slow as shit, then you probably do care about performance. So again, I, it's the same like three people I'm talking about a lot of the time that are making all of these like absolute statements and they're completely fucking idiotic absolute statements but um, no the benefit of a hello world benchmark is that you get to find out what the framework is doing in the background um, they, they say like oh well symphony is much slower to get started but then once it's up then it's ORM is quicker than whatever something else and that completely irrelevant don't care I want to know how quick it is at starting up right it's like trying to work out if um, if you're if you're watching Top Gear, something they will tell you is how fast that car goes from 0 to 60. I don't give a shit how comfortable the seats are. I don't care how quick it gets to 100 or 120. I want to know how quickly it gets to 60. That's the acceleration rate. That's one metric. And that one metric alone doesn't say whether that car is better or worse or like quicker in general. I just want to know how what the acceleration rate is. And it could be that... We've all played Mario Kart. We know that some people have slower acceleration but higher top speed, and that's you know, a, another metric. But the Hello World benchmark really lets you know how quickly that just that little bit of stuff will happen. And when you have something like Laravel or Symfony or Zen Framework, 
you find that the um, the overhead of just kicking up, just just boosting up the uh, the framework itself, can add two to two around two hundred or two hundred and fifty milliseconds on top of any request, just because that framework's there. Before you can even just output the string "Hello World," you've lost two hundred milliseconds just on it being there. And a lot of the time, that's fine. It could well be that your MySQL queries, you could knock 200 milliseconds off those and, and save the day. Um, but again, a lot of the time it's not, and a lot of the time you, it's good to know that. And because everyone freaks out about Hello World benchmarks, um, no one ever really knows what they are. So people just pick a framework that looks pretty or that has the best marketing terms and go with it and then realize, oh, this is actually kind of slow. Shit. Yeah, I mean, anytime someone says absolute, it's... It's not a good idea, right? So it either means they have that one. It means either they have an agenda or they don't have varying experiences. So, like, I recommend to most dads like try to freelance something when you can, because especially when you freelance, you see so many different problems that you never would have seen just working one job at a time. And um, I don't know. I think that's why I value a lot of these things differently than I would. That happen because you know if you work on ten different completely different pro- companies and products over a year, you're going to get a, a real feel for how different things can be. Yeah, I wrote an article about that a while ago, and I can't remember what it was called because I've written too many bloody articles. But the whole point was um, depending on the type of developer you are, um, and the type of job that you're doing, and the type of jobs you've done previously, and when you did them, you have completely different expectations of of how um, other PHP developers are. You. Um, an example of that is if you work for a massive corporation that um, that is still stuck on PHP 5.3, um, then uh, you're going to be a lot more interested in backwards compatibility. You're going to be interested in components, um, you know, uh, keeping their their dependencies much lower for PHP versions. Um, there's all these crazy different things that come into play. If you're a freelancer, then you can probably use newer, cooler technologies, and then just explain to your client why they should use them. Um, if you work for, uh, you, you can work as like a freelancer or as a contractor or as a junior developer for a huge company or a startup, and all of these things are completely fucking different. And if you only work as one of them and you work the same way all the time, then your idea of what the PHP world is or should be is going to be very different to to mine, which might be somewhere completely different. And it's because I've worked every single one level of those jobs that I can very easily see how these things kind of fit together. So you. you People that work for a marketing company that always use Laravel for everything and have always built their apps with Laravel and it works perfectly fine for them because everyone there knows Laravel. That's great. There are loads of other companies that work in completely different ways and I feel like I'm making that point quite badly. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, basically, too long didn't read is we're right, everyone else is wrong. That's that's how it usually works, yeah. No, my my, my argument with these people mostly is... You, you know this one way in which things work, um, and that's not accurate. Um, and my argument is usually, I know five ways in which this works, so that gives me four more reasons why I might be right than you are. Um, and there's somebody else that might know 10 other different approaches, but I think there's too many people that they just kind of have their way of working and they try to smash that way onto everyone else. Um, and then they don't notice that other people do things differently, and that's yeah. Great. I mean, it's easy to get in that too. So, like, if I work a certain way or a certain thing for a while, it's easy to take our new project and just automatically say, "I'm going to do it this way because this is what I'm used to and this works well." Right. But it's uh, you know over the years, hopefully, or just you know you fuck up enough and you realize 
maybe I should think about this from a higher level when you take on a project. Maybe the last way is in the best way. Yeah. You get these people that are like, I'm switching from Codenighter to Laravel, or I'm switching from PHP to Python. I'm like, what does that really mean? You mean that right now you use PHP for every project you do, and then from this point on, now that you've switched, you're going to use Python for every project you do? That sounds fucking terrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, we can't just like pick a favorite stick and then just bash every single project with that stick. It's not. There's actually a recent article by uh, T.J. Holichuk, the guy who pretty much wrote every Node package ever. It was basically a, like, I'm leaving Node for... I don't even know what he left it for, Scala or Go or something. Yeah. And it was, that's kind of what I was thinking the whole time. It's like, uh, so you, you're leaving Node even though it doesn't even necessarily occupy the same space as Go. You know, I mean, you're solving different problems with each language, right? So it, yeah. it seems really fucking weird to leave a language <laughs> at all. Yeah. Like, I would still totally use, I don't know, C Sharp and .NET if I needed to make a Windows app. I haven't used it in years, but I, I never left the language, right? It's the best solution for certain problems. Right. But I feel like that's what I keep screaming. It's like, use the right tool for the right job. Don't try and pick one thing and do, always do it that way. Don't don't assume that your one approach or your one tool or your one thing is always the best thing because, as we've said, generalizations are shit, and so many people make them. Um, the, the one... So I've heard a lot of people say that in the PHP community, there's this really big focus on finding the one right way to do it and then arguing about which the right way to do everything is, and then that it's just not possible. Um, and embarrassingly, I am involved with a project called PHP the Right Way, um, and I'm involved with standardization groups that say do it this way. But um, both of those projects, there's a bit of a nuance there. With PHP the Right Way, we never say this is the only way you should do something. We say here are a couple of ways of doing it that are good, and here is a really fucking terrible way. Don't use that terrible way, right? Um, you can. It, we explain the benefits of MySQLi and the benefits of PDO, and then say definitely don't use the old MySQL package because that shit's going to be removed really soon. Um, so there isn't like one true way. There's probably a couple of good ways of doing things that you might not have thought of, and there's probably a few really shit ways, and you shouldn't do it the shit way. But uh, <laughs> just the whole generalization approach is pissing me off. We need a, a PHP the shit way, so you can make sure you're not using that. Yeah, we should just name, rename it, rename it to that. <laughs> no, I mean we would just redo it, but we would like recommend that you use MySQLi or whatever. <laughs> Call it PHP. Fuck no, and then just change it. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, I think we're about done in time. Anything else? No, that's it. Apart from you should. Uh, no. I'm, I'm too tired to make jokes today. Let's go. Call it a day. All right. Thanks for joining, everyone. It's been uh, it's been fun. Catch you next time when we hopefully have guests. We'll see. <laughs> Bye.